if you want to live a remarkable and great life, you have to open yourself up enough to have these shared experiences with other people, right? And if you are just putting your head down, doing your work and not sharing who you are with other people, you're never going to have the opportunity to have that type of emotion, that type of victory with others. And I think that would be really sad because I think that's one of life's great joys. Yeah. Winning as a team versus individual is far better feeling. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Against the Grain, your podcast for how to grow in counterintuitive ways. I am always your host, Kip Bodner, joined by my fearless co-host, Kieran Flanagan. Today on Marketing Against the Grain, we're talking about lessons learned for business and marketing from the Redeem team. But before we get into that, we're going to hear from HubSpot. Before we get into the show, here's a quick word from HubSpot. Long hours, small teams, uninspiring content. Marketing at a startup is hard work. Thankfully, HubSpot for Startups can help you grow your business without growing your stress. HubSpot's all-in-one platform connects your teams together. Plus, they have a bunch of resources to help you scale, and they offer discounts of up to 90% off. So if you're ready to crush your marketing, look no further than HubSpot for Startups. To see how much you can save, visit HubSpot.com startups. Kieran! We're talking about redemption today on Marketing Against the Grain. You ready for this? Yes. Watched it. Loved it. Ready to talk about it. All right. We're talking about the Redeem Team documentary. I would love for you, Kieran, to tell everybody watching and listening why you think this story is important, why this story is one worth talking about. Okay. So one of the things I really took away in terms of why this was important were two things I really loved about it that I think are applicable to people building businesses. The first for me, it's like, it's a story of this kind of transformational change that the U.S. basketball team was, like the original dream team. They really brought basketball to a new level. They had a ton of things that they introduced into basketball, like plays that they did. And so they kind of transformed the game. And then they kind of rest on the laurels. Like when you have that transformational brand, what happens is capitalism is really efficient. People flood into the market and they kind of copy your style. And so a lot of people copy the U.S. style. The U.S. kind of became a little bit stagnant. And then all of these other teams executed on the U.S.'s playbook better than them, right? They talked about them getting beaten by Greece, them mm-hmm. getting beaten yes. by Spain. They're like, holy smokes, like these teams are actually playing our game better than us. And so I love that kind of transformational story. And then every great company has a second in and that's what this whole story is about. And then it just really teaches you all great teams lose, no matter how good you are. And it's really, yes. it's really how you overcome that loss that I think is really important in are you a truly world-class team or not? I love that. And if you are out there listening and watching today, you are probably feeling like you're in this down cycle of loss because we're in this crazy economy right now where a lot of companies were doing really great. And now as we move into a kind of recessionary environment, that complacency that maybe happened when you were doing really great is catching up with you today. And every great story is a circle, right? You start out with a win you fall from grace and then you try to win again, right? Like that's every great story, but it's also what happens in business. Kieran, I think you made a great point where it's not enough to be right about something, right? Once you're right about something, everybody copies it. So you have to be right and paranoid and figure out how you are going to be right about the next thing and evolve and continue to stay alive. And the story of the Redeem team, which is the 2008 US Olympic basketball team, is an interesting one because in 2004, the U.S. Olympics men's basketball team lost in the 2004 Olympics. And not all of the NBA players played because they're worried about terrorism. Lots of different things coming off 9-11. It was a very different time in the world. People were scared. People weren't that interested in, about it. And that 2004 team is actually, the story of that is even 
as important as the 2018, Karen, right? Because you see everybody pointing fingers. You see the culture of losing up front. And right now, I think if you're listening or watching and you're thinking about your own business, your own team, you probably have some of that going on. You have some finger pointing, you have some name calling, you have some dissent. And this story is all about how you rebuild from that. And I think that's what makes it truly remarkable. And Kieran, I I guess I would want to start with this kind of our summary of the documentary. What do you think the core lessons from their losses were? You know, that 2004, like the rock bottom, what do you think that you should take away from like the bad, the losing, the rock bottom stage of everything? Yeah, so the 2004, they had an incredible team and they lost to, I think it was Argentina in the semifinals. And Mm -hmm. one of the really great quotes from that loss was someone from the actual Argentinian team said the US came Mm -hmm. out and tried to just play a bunch of one-on-one games. What they meant by that was they would just beat whoever their counterpart was and not have to play as a team because they were so good. They would play basketball one-on-one. doesn't really matter what they did as a team. They would just crush that team. And that kind of comes back to like some of the things that we talked about. We had this on the first principles show, which was build A plus culture versus hire A plus talent. Yes, love this. And I thought that was a really good representation of that. First of all, it's really hard for everyone to hire A plus talent. It's impossible. And so do you need A plus talent to succeed? No, but you do need an A plus culture. And I think that's what the Argentinian team demonstrated. Like you have an A plus culture, very cohesive unit, play into a strategy they can actually beat players that are much, much better than them individually. So if, if, if you're listening to this, it's like, oh, teams are greater than individuals, but you also need to have the right mix of people on the team. The other thing from that loss is that the U.S. 2004 team, they had a bunch of individuals, right? They had Allen Iverson, Stefan Marbury, a lot of people who are really great at one-on-one style of basketball, but who weren't great team players. And they didn't pick that team to have a blend of skills that really worked together. And so if you're out there and you're thinking about why aren't we accomplishing what we want to do, it's probably because you're not operating as a team and because you don't have the right balance of skills and traits across that team to actually function and do what you need to do. And so I I think that's the perfect lesson to take away from that loss. I think there were a lot of interesting lessons from that, the rebuild process. So in watching the documentary, basically there are a few things that I took away. One, they made one person and not a committee in charge of the 2008 team. In this case, it was a guy named Jerry Colangelo. But the big thing to know here is less about him and more that they used to have this committee that picked players and the coach and everything. They made one person and they were really decisive about it. And if you're having challenges, having one decision maker brings just a ton of clarity to those challenges, right? Then the second thing they did was they picked a coach that everybody respected and that could help galvanize the players. They picked Mike Krzyzewski from Duke University. Then they picked a group of players that would actually function as a team together. And they made those players commit, not for the Olympics, but for three years, 2006, 2007, 2008. And that to me is like, oh, wow. To really build a team, that team has to stay together for a while and has to go through things together. You know, they talk about in the documentary that they played poker, one of Kieran's favorite games, for like 31 days straight together. And it's like those types of activities really bond everything together. One of the things that I thought was a really cool line from LeBron James was he was sitting in the back room where they had the coaching sessions with the coach they brought on. And he was like, well, when I was in the U.S. basketball team in 2004, I would used to say, well, if I had this player playing with me or if I had this player playing with me or I had this player playing with me, we would have been successful. And now we've gotten all those players. 
So we've taken away all excuses. All that's left is success. And I thought about that a lot in terms of, you know, one of the things we've talked about on this show is how do you set your teams up for success, right? When you actually give them a, a yes. goal to actually reach, how do you make sure they're successful? And I think your job as a manager and a leader, and we can discuss like what the difference is between manager and leader, because I think it comes up in this documentary. Mm-hmm. But I think your job as a leader of that team is to really remove all of the excuses. Do they have the resources? Do they have the other teams set up who can help them succeed that they need set up? Do they have a clear mission? Do they have clear goals? Do they have a clear plan? But when your job is to strip away all their excuses, so they only have success left as an excuse. Like they can only succeed. They either succeed or they don't, but they have no excuses as to why they didn't. And I love that. I love that line from the documentary. And what was interesting is, so the way this story goes is that there were people on that core 2004 team, largely LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, and Carlos Boozer, who all felt the pain of losing. And they then were surrounded by some new people in 2008 and trying to basically rebuild the USA's stature in the world. And there are a couple interesting things that I thought happened, Kieran. One, sometimes if you are going to be great, you have to take chances, right? And they knew that that team wasn't enough, and they knew that they had a missing piece. And in this case, that missing piece was Kobe Bryant, who was at the time the best basketball player in the whole world, right? But he was also known as a terrible teammate, you know, a loner, somebody I identify with a lot, like really focused, a loner, maybe argumentative, like all those things. I'm like, oh, I kind of kind of understand you, Kobe. But at the same time, they knew that they needed to get him involved if they were really going to win. And the challenge there wasn't just getting him to say yes, but the challenge was bringing in this person to come in and assimilate who on the surface level you wouldn't think would be a great part of that team. Right. And one of the things I took away, we're kind of dropping some lessons as we go through our summary here, is when things are rough and you are trying to climb out of the bottom to achieve something great as a team, you need a different type of team dynamic. And one of the things your team needs, for lack of a better term, is an alpha, somebody who is very aggressive, somebody who's going to lead by example and kind of put everybody on notice. When things are going well, you could be more diplomatic, you can be more evenly distributed. But when things are going rough, you need to set the tone for transformation. And that was the role that Kobe Bryant played in this story. And I think if you are a marketer, if you're a CEO, that's the role that the leader of the team has to play, right? If you're leading that team, if you're leading that business, either you have to be that kind of alpha, strong, aggressive personality, or you have to bring somebody in who can be and know that that's going to ruffle some feathers. Do you agree with that, Kieran? Do you need the alpha to come out and really make that change? I think the reason that Kobe worked within that team is because he didn't try to be the alpha because they actually talked about like him and LeBron were alphas within that team, but it turned out really they just wanted to win. They actually showed the kind of change in Kobe when he came in, that he became much more of a team player. Yeah. And he didn't try to take the spotlight from everyone else. And he didn't try to like be the dominant figure. He really just wanted to win. And the thing I took from that is, you know, I really thought about like, what teams do I want to play on? Yeah. What companies do I like to work with and work on? I just want to work with incredible people who want to win right? Yes. Not territorial, not really caring about like who's reporting to who or what the structure look like, just like compensated fairly and working with incredible people who want to win. Yeah. Which I think is the aggressive alpha stuff, you know, like he was aggressive in matches. He 
lifted, he exercised, he hit Paul Gasol, right? He did a bunch of really aggressive stuff. But has that been an alpha or is that just being a leader? I do think he led by example, like weight training at 5 p.m. when the others were coming back from the night out in Vegas, like literally running through his teammates, trying to take his soul within the first like 30 seconds. But is that being an alpha or is that just leading by example? I'll give you my take on that, Kieran. I think leading by example is saying, oh, there's something known and I'm going to do it to an extreme, mm. right? Like it's known that we need to strength train, but I'm going to do it first thing every morning. I'm going to do it longer and harder than everybody else. Right. I think being an alpha is saying, oh, there is additional things that are not expected that I believe need to happen and I need to do them. And that's like setting the tone by like yeah. the mental toughness of like, oh, I have to approach this differently. I guess is the point that I'm trying to go. It's like it's a resetting of expectations versus over exceeding the current. Expectations. Yeah, I agree with that. When I think of alpha, I think of someone trying to be wherever they are. They want the light shone on them wherever beating their end. They're the loudest voice. But I actually think the things that Kobe did were much more subtle that a leader would do. I thought the best Example of that was the getting up and lifting at 5 a.m. Yeah. The first time he did that, the teammates were in the lift with him. They were going up the stairs, <laughs> coming back from a night out. He was coming down the stairs. And then gradually, one by one, they ended up in yeah. the gym at 5 a.m. He never asked them to, never told them to. He just did it, right? And I think that's true leadership and that's true leading by example. And you have to be someone that people aspire to be. Even though you have professional players yeah. who are incredible players, I'm sure they look at Kobe and say, well... I still aspire to be as good as that person because they're just so much better than anyone else. This is another one of my big lessons from this is I was sitting back and I was like, oh, one of the big differences between sports and businesses there is like this moment in time that you're preparing for, right? And so there's a clear schedule and urgency that you're preparing for in sports that kind of gets lost in business sometimes because you're like, oh, I can just do it next yeah, month yeah. or next quarter or next year, right? Yeah. And I think it's a leader's job in business to create those artificial deadlines, but make them real and make them feel intense to kind of drive and make everything a rallying point. Because I think that's one of the things that was really clear in this story is that they were preparing for years for this very specific point in time. And so that when it came to winning that gold medal game that they did against Spain, they were able to do that because they had felt like they had the preparation at play, yeah. right? And I think that's a big part of it is like, are you helping your team prepare for the next side of all of this. Yeah, I think having a sense of urgency is really important. There was a really great scene where the coach, I think they were down to Greece or Argentina and they were doing the team talk and the coach told them, hey, like you need to just focus on the next quarter and within that quarter, focus on every play. And if you think mm -hmm. about where we are within business, you know, it's such a tough economic climate that really what you need to focus on is like, well, what can I do this quarter? And within that quarter, like it's what is everything I can do that is meaningful that will drive some amount of impact for the business. And we talk about this a lot in terms of like being a, a marketing leader, you're really a portfolio owner and you're trying to own long bets yeah. and short-term bets and medium-term bets. And I think we're moving into a climate where you really have to have your short-term stuff in a place of excellence. Yes. And that kind of really resonated me, which is like, hey, focus on that quarter. And then within that, focus on every single play. Yes. Try to win every play. I think that's a really great piece of advice for anyone who is marketing a business right now is like focus on every individual play you can do each and every month and try to just have a high bar of excellence when you're doing that. Okay, I love that. That's kind of the overall story. We're going to do a few things now as it relates to the Redeem Team documentary. The first thing we're going to do is 
give you some rapid fire lessons. I've got a bunch, Kieran. I know you've got a bunch. Here are a few things that really stood out to me, Kieran. It comes back to one of our tried and true lessons for everything. Know the rules of the game. International basketball was very different than the NBA, and they spent a bunch of time understanding the rules of the game, how the ball is different, how it is played, how it is officiated. You cannot win the game if you do not know the rules of the game. We are going to repeat that over and over and over on this pod for years and years and years because it becomes paramount to how you succeed. The corollary to that, there's a related lesson for me, Kieran, that I don't know if you picked up on, which is towards the end, towards those final games, there was basically a thing in there where it was like, this is how our opponent perceives that we're going to play. Mm, They perceive us as prima donnas. They perceive us as a team that isn't willing to dive on the floor, do the hard work. And our opportunity to win is to do what our opponent thinks that we are unwilling to do. And I thought that was a amazing, amazing lesson is if you're clear on what your opponent thinks you're unwilling to do, one, it gives you an advantage if you're willing to do those things. But two, it gives you a huge mental advantage because then your opponent's like, well, crap, I thought that this was their weakness and they're doing it. So I don't know what their right. weakness is now. Do I actually have a chance at winning? And you immediately, immediately get in their head. So that's my second one there is understand what your opponent perceives you, your competition, how they perceive you and throw it right back at them and make it clear to them that that's not weaknesses that they can exploit. The third one that I would go before kicking it over to you, Karen, is motivation matters. You know, you can't ask people just keep slugging on and doing something without context, without story, without motivation. And I thought coach Mike Krzyzewski of this team did a really great job. Like he brought in military personnel so that they could tell the story of what it means to represent their country, right? He brought in a guy named Doug Collins, who was an announcer who had this tragic loss in the Olympics in the 1980s, right? And that really set the tone for why they needed to do this. It's Not enough to tell people what they need to do. You have to tell them why they need to do it and the emotion around it. So those are three big, big lessons that I took away there. What else do you have, Karen? I've got some other ones. So I think there was a really great part at the end where they talked about the fact that, hey, winning as a team was way better than winning as an individual. And I truly agree with that. Love that. Why is that important? Most people think within their career, if I win, then I win and I get to keep going on in my career. Actually, if you are a manager or leader, you win if your team wins. You do not win as an individual. It is impossible to build a great career, but winning as an individual when you start to manage. One of the other ones that I loved, I don't know if you caught this, when they were playing Spain in the final match, there was 10 minutes to go and the coach called them in and the coach said, well, I was about to say something, but the players started talking among themselves, Yes. started setting their own roadmap and said, hey, we've got this. And that is take ownership. Like if you can build a team that takes ownership and feels like we got this, we don't need to be told what to do. We've got this. That is the team you want to build. You do not want to have a team that look to you every time something's going wrong and says, please fix it. Help me. Things are going really bad. <laughs> right? That's the lesson. That's the team you want to build. How do you build that team? Give your team autonomy. Let your team mess up. Mm-hmm. Do not micromanage them. Then some of the other ones I mentioned was focus on every single play within a quarter. Like that diligence around focus and having excellence in the yes. short term is really matters now more than ever. Said in leadership, Kobe did an incredible job of this, lifting in the morning, running through his teammates' chest and collecting his soul on the way. (laughs) And then one of my favorites was take away all the excuses so all you have left is success. Yes. I think that is a a really great takeaway from the documentary. Kieran, I have one last one that is funny, but also true that I think we should talk about, which is 
if you want a great story told about you, tell the story yourself. Yeah. This documentary was produced by LeBron James, Dwayne <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wade, a lot of the people yeah. in the actual documentary, own your own right? Story. Yeah, own your own story. It's important. Own your own brand, own your own message, own your own story. When you do that, it changes how the world thinks right. about you. Like this documentary changes how the world thinks about those people. And it was smart for them to own their own story, right? Yeah, that is a great lesson for every single company, right? Own your story. Own your story. You set out how you want people to talk about you. Do not let them decide how they want to talk about you. And that is a great lesson from that documentary. Okay. One of the things we know about every great story, though, is that there's an inflection point. There's a point where that story turns around. So one of the categories we wanted to do is key inflection point. And I'll be interested to see if you and I agree, Karen. But what do you think is the key inflection point of this story, of this doc? Yeah, I think the inflection point for me was when they lost in the 2006 World Championships, I think it was to Greece in the semifinals. Mm -hmm. And so why did I think that was such an inflection point? Oh, this is yeah, a good because one. Because I think the line to success is not straight and up. And they mm -hmm. had got together, they had that experience in 2004, they lost in the semifinals, then they got together and they started to really double down and work really hard as a team. And so at that point, you're like, well, and then everything should just go really well, right? Because we've taken the hard <laughs> lessons, we've instrumented the things we need yeah. to instrument, and we've got together and we've doubled down. That's not really how life works. And I think that kind of failure in 2006 really reminded them, like, this is going to be hard work. This is going to be a grind. This is yes. going to take a lot of effort. And so that kind of experience really accelerated their growth from there, really accelerated their work effort and results from there. So I think that 2006, to me, was a reminder for them, like, yeah, we're doing the right things, but that's not enough. Like we just have to execute even better. We have to work together as a team even better. So that was my kind of inflection point. Awesome. We're kind of similar. You went a little earlier than I did. I thought the follow-up to that where they realized that they were missing something and needed to invite Kobe onto the team and took the risk of that not working out and him not fitting in was the inflection point. Because it was like, oh, they're kind of rebuilding. They're doing their thing. They lose to Greece. Oh, but maybe they can get there. But it's like, the hubris that they were like, oh, this is not going to be enough. Right. We need to do more. And we're going to go recruit the best basketball player in the world, even though it might upset the dynamic of this team that we've been working on, I think was the key inflection point of this story. Right. I get that. I think we're close. It's somewhere between the Greece loss and Kobe joining the team. I'm going to steal one category from an awesome podcast called The Rewatchables, which does, you know, movie breakdowns of really good and popular movies. And they have a category called Most Rewatchable Scene. And so what I would love to know, Kieran, is what scene or what part of the documentary it is on where you're like, oh, nope, I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch this five, 10 minutes of this doc. Like, what's the part where you're like, oh, I found that super compelling and I'm just like down and could watch that over and over again. The last game against Spain. Oh, yeah. Like, that's just two teams that are executing at their best. That's really what you're striving for, right? Whether it's life, career, yes. or business. It's not around succeeding or failure. It's like, am I operating at my best? Am I actually operating yeah. to my full potential? And I feel like that game was just two teams who were driving each other to actually go to their full potential. And it was incredible to watch. I was going to say that, but I'm going to elongate it a little bit. When they start talking about going to the different Olympic competitions together as a team, watching Michael Phelps, oh, yeah, all of cool. that, and you yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. the team. deep camaraderie, like from there to the end, I'm in every yeah. time. It's like, oh, I don't know what it is, probably 25 minutes or something. And I'm like totally in for that 25 minutes every single time. Just like hype me up and, and get me going for that, right. right? They show up at every single Olympic event there is, which is kind of really funny. Yeah, but it shows everybody 
watching, listening to this pod, that they wanted to be a team. They enjoyed the time together and they wanted to learn. They were learner-dolls. They wanted to learn from other people who were the best in the world at the things they did, right? right? And I thought that was that was really important, right. right? And I think that's a lesson for everybody out there is like, if you want to live a remarkable and great life, you have to open yourself up enough to have these shared experiences with other people, right? And if you are just putting your head down, doing your work and not sharing who you are with other people, you're never going to have the opportunity to have that type of emotion, that type of victory with others. And I think that would be really sad because I think that's one of life's great joys. Yeah. Winning as a team versus individual is far better feeling. Yeah. All right, Kieran, last and final category. Big question now. MVP, who was the most valuable player of the Redeem team documentary? I had to just pick Kobe because I think he transformed, not transformed that team, but I think he was the last missing piece. And I just thought it was incredible the way he kind of led the team and set the tone for the team without really saying much. Like he really does not talk that much. Like he's a real introvert. No. And this is another great point. Introverts can be great leaders, right? <laughs> Kieran's like, I'm an introvert. I love you, Kobe. Yeah, like introverts can be great leaders. You don't have to be very vocal to set a great example. Yeah. And I think that the very subtle things that he did when he joined set an incredible example for that team. Yeah, look, I think there are two answers here. It's either Kobe or Coach Mike Krzyzewski, because I think Coach Krzyzewski really played a through line in the story, right? He picked the players. He set up the key motivational milestones. He kind of gave them hell. He's one of the few people in the world that had the credentials to give that group of people hell, you know, because it's like they're a very short list of people that they were going to respect. I think you are probably right. I think the MVP is likely Kobe, but I think that Coach Krzyzewski, there's a real argument that he could have also been the MVP of this story. Yes. Yep. I would get that. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Apple Podcasts. If who you think is the MVP and won the story, won the documentary here. Is it Kobe? Is it Coach K? Or is it someone else? Karen, you love movies. We just got to do a whole episode where we just talked about marketing and movies. Two of your favorite things. You think we're going to do it again? Uh, I think we should. There's a new film just come out on Hulu. It's a remake of Hellraiser. Like we could maybe try to watch Hellraiser. Kieran <laughs> likes all the weirdest, worst oh, movies. Man, come on. Hellraiser. Back when you were a kid at Hellraiser Event Horizon. Let's go. So if you are listening, please let us know your thoughts on the Redeem Team documentary. Let us know if we should do more marketing movie episodes. And until next time, we will see you soon on Marketing Against the Grain. Marketing Against the Grain.